millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Billboard on Broadway podcast. I am your host, Rebecca Milzoff, musical theater fan in residence at Billboard and senior editor here. So there are so many movies getting made into Broadway musicals these days that it could be tempting to get a little jaded about their potential for actually being original, especially when the material is as iconic as, say, the 1993 Bill Murray movie Groundhog Day. It seems like there are so many hurdles to get over for anyone who would want to turn Groundhog Day into a musical, starting with the fact that Bill Murray is at this point kind of inseparable from the part of Phil Connors, the slightly obnoxious weatherman who is doomed to live the same day over and over again, to the simple idea of how do you make a musical, something that has to move forward, that has to keep an audience awake, out of a plot line that is about repetition and about being stuck. So if you're a really diehard Groundhog Day fan, I know you're like probably a tough person to convince about this, but the new musical of Groundhog Day somehow manages not only to surmount those potential obstacles, but make you think that the story can not only survive, but even thrive without Bill Murray. I know, sacrilege, but listen to me for a second. So for one thing, the uh, the book of the musical is by Danny Rubin, who is adapting his own screenplay from the movie. Good sign, number one. Uh, it's an incredibly creative staging that is difficult to describe, but I would say somehow emphasizes how stuck Phil is while always making the show feel like it's like hurtling forward nonstop. And there are two other major forces at play in driving the pulse of the show. Number one is The Music is by Tim Minchin, who is best known on Broadway for writing the very successful adaptation of Roald Dahl's Matilda. And Tim is a composer who has an actual acting and even a comic background. And his music is anything but traditional. It's it's difficult to put a pin in what his style is, but there's no easy rhyming scheme that repeats. There's I would say a good deal of kind of twistedness and satire in his lyrics. There is a definite pop influence in his songs. Um, in Groundhog Day, there's one song that kind of feels like gentle folk and another that's like an epic 80s rock rager. Uh, and somehow he really succeeds through the music in creating 
not only very specific characters, uh, but in bringing out the sort of darker, deeper existential tones that are in the Groundhog Day plot. Uh, and then there's the cast, which all of the cast members, I would say, have really like instantly recognizable, unique voices in general. But uh, they're led by Andy Carl. Andy is a Broadway veteran. He is well known for having played Rocky in the musical Rocky recently. But it's truly incredible to watch him in the show. He's in nearly every scene. He's like the ever-ready bunny. He, um, I w- was like holding my breath watching him. He, and this is all the more impressive because just a few days before opening night, as is somewhat well-known in theater circles at this point, he had an ACL tear and he is somehow doing this whole show with a really amazing knee brace on display the whole time. Uh, so it's kind of a breathless show to watch in general. And I think a really encouraging example of how if you have a good composer, you have a good cast, uh, you really can reinvent existing source material and make something very original out of it. Uh, so here is my chat with Andy and his co-stars, Barrett Doss, Rebecca Falkenberry, and John Sanders. I had my time again. So we have here. Uh, hi, yeah, I'm John Sanders, and I play Ned Ryerson. And I'm Rebecca Falkenberry, and I play Nancy Taylor. I'm Barrett Doss. I play Rita Hansen. And Andy Carl playing Phil Connors. So I have to say, first of all, Andy, I feel like you must be the hardest working man on Broadway right now. You, you are correct. <laughs> one of them, yes. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if, if you're talking about what I think you're talking about, um, just I had an injury a couple days before we opened the show, a torn ACL. Um, now I wear a brace. I, I, got, I made it to opening night, and uh, I, but I'm, I'm back doing all eight shows now. It's really tough, but it's, it's, uh, it's worth doing the shows. The show's really terrific, and the material speaks for itself. Um, so I'm going to fight through, and the show must go on. And I have the support of, of these guys to really get me through. I was going to also say that I feel like you're on stage almost the entire time, it feels like. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like all of us are in some way. The days revolve over and over and over again. So we have everybody living the same day over and over again. Um, uh, I just happen to be sort of centered in the in the magic. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's a wild ride. So the musical is amazing. You guys got a New York Times review, the likes of which I, I've never seen in a very long time. <laughs> it was kind of exciting for all of you, I would Yay, think. Yay, us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, in terms of like how you heard about the show in the first place, this movie is so sacred to so many people and were you all immediately convinced yes this will be a great musical or were you like wait a minute Groundhog Day I don't know yeah um uh I heard about the show I was doing um Matilda which uh this uh uh, creative team did uh Matthew Warchus the director Tim Minchin the our composer and um back when we were was it when we were putting Matilda together? I heard rumblings about that they were going to do a Groundhog Day. And I thought immediately, oh, you know what Tim mentioned is perfect for this because of the way that he has these kind of like existential weird overtones to his really playful, fun lyrics. And I was like, oh, that'll fit just perfect for this project. And um, and then it was, you know, I mean, they work on these things for years. So it was a, it was a couple years later and I got, a, I got a call to come in and audition for Ned. And uh, I was able to read the script that was written by Danny Rubin, who wrote the 
movie. And I thought, wow, well, this just this works. They did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and now here we are. I wasn't convinced <laughs> until I heard the music and then I was immediately sold on it. Um, I felt really uh, connected to the music right away. I think it's wonderful for actors and I think all of us were sort of, I, I'll speak for myself, but um, I was drawn to it as an actor to the piece, not just vocally and how comfortable it felt to sing and how fun it was in a lot of ways, but it was, it, it's all the music in this show is so actable and makes the characters, I think, really clear. I think you can um, really dig into the lyrics of this show and then, of course, supported by our book and all of it came together in such a way that um, I was totally sold on it once I once I heard the music because I could start building ideas about who I thought this person or, or Phil was from listening to what he was singing. And it was really fun to sort of uncover all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you and Rebecca, I think, have two of the more wonderfully fleshed out female roles that I've seen on Broadway lately. So that's, I mean, it's so nice to see that you're like really complete characters and not what you first appear to be. And yeah. they're really revealed sort of over the course of the show. Yeah, I think especially for the Nancy character, when I got the audition material, it was such a pleasant surprise <laughs> to read the lyrics to this song because I do get a lot of audition material that's you know, they're the stock characters of the pretty kind of sexy girl that is also maybe a bit funny and a bit dim. And no one really explores beyond that a lot of the time. And so to then read this song that acknowledges, I realize that I'm pretty and that's not the worst thing in the world, but I'm allowed to want something beyond that. Mm -hmm. And there is more to me than that. And I wish you could see past this exterior to my soul <laughs> in some way just just respect me a little more than this thing that you see um and i think it's funny when people think what an interesting way to open act two and someone we haven't seen much from and i think well then you've been filled if you want to use that in a verb that's exactly how he sees the characters he sees them as these stock characters um and doesn't look beyond that so then for the surprise of getting to know a bit more when we have if an audience has that battle of well why do i need to know more and because that's just how you should look at people in general mm-hmm. i think completely and andy i mean how did you feel about stepping into this part that every, you have to know a lot of people are coming in thinking how can anyone be bill murray you're not yeah, bill murray yeah. well, <laughs> that we're in competition all the time so uh, <laughs> yeah. you know how Play can anybody do it <laughs> um, no i would never attempt to uh do what bill murray does because he's got his own thing what he has that's so wonderful is he can be such a jerk but i have a wink in his eye that and he's so charming i knew i had to find that in me. So uh, this may be debatable, but I'm not really a jerk all the time. So I had to find out what would yeah, make when's me. That, when's that coming? Yeah. That's, see that uh, <laughs> so I just had to find that within me. Um, so, and I did. And uh, it's great. Uh, it's, it's a great way to play the, uh, the guy everybody loves to hate um, because there's such a journey that needs to be made from the beginning of the show to the end of the show. And like, like Becca was saying about revealing the characters in the second act a little bit more. It is Phil's journey through his mind. He's slowly starting to pick up on the fact that he knows everything, the insides and outsides of everything. And because he's, he, he has to, he's living this day over and over again. And not until Rita comes in and tells him, well, you know, you get to do new things every day. The rest of us are stuck. He's never looked at the world like that. He's, he mm-hmm. feels like it's all his problem. So um, Rita actually gives him the, 
the cue to use everything he's got to actually help and be a better person. Um, and thus, we end up with a great journey of the show. Um, but yes, I was uh, when I first heard about it, I was not convinced it would be a good idea, just because I've done a lot of movie musicals, and I was like, oh, here comes another one. And then I heard about the team, uh, like John was saying, where I'm like, wow, that's really interesting. And none of this team settle for the conventional. And it's a real work of art you're watching every night. It's a real deconstructed idea of what is supposed to, what is Phil supposed to learn? He's supposed to learn this huge journey and he's supposed to learn about everybody, but it's also supposed to sort of send your mind into some deeper, darker places within the show and some very funny, funny, funny parts of the show. And it's a great theatrical event. Well, I... I saw you in On the 20th Century, and I think you are hilarious. And oh, I like that <laughs> I like that this kind of gives you a showcase for that, too. Um, the I was really struck by the fact that, you know, this is a story that is about being stuck, but the show itself just feels like it's constantly hurtling forward. Like, it feels like yeah. it doesn't stop. Um, <laughs> and it, like, I mean, it almost looks even looks like one of those, like, Rube Goldberg machines with, like, all the little twinkly parts that fit together and different things happen. Um, and I think so much of that has to do with the music and the way it's written and that the songs are not, like, conventional Broadway <laughs> chorus we all dance now like numbers um so i wanted to talk about tim's music a little bit which john you touched on but i mean what do you think is so special about it that keeps the show feeling like so vibrant the whole time um for my piece i i I think that i can't think of another show that has as wide a range of genre Mm -hmm. um of music and i think it keeps the audience on their feet the entire time. I mean, not hopefully, well, literally, hopefully. But like, I mean, also it just keeps you on your toes. I mean, like um, you kind of can't settle into a pattern with any of these songs because they start in one place and end somewhere completely different. I Um, feel like I'm holding my breath the whole time, actually. Yeah. By the end of the first act, I was like. (laughs) And I keep saying it's sort of a relentlessly entertaining show. It, it It keeps surprising you at every turn. Well, oh, I was just going to say that I, I feel like it starts in a way with Tim's lyrics. Mm-hmm. He's such an amazing lyricist. Um, and uh, then you can almost see how the music kind of that he writes comes from that and blossoms out from that. And then um, we have this uh, wonderful uh, um uh, uh, orchestrator Tim Nightingale, uh, uh, Tim Nightingale, Chris Nightingale. Um, they're all of a piece. Chris Nightingale, uh, um, who fills it out and fills in all the gaps, and then it turns over to Matthew Warchus to uh, uh, to direct the you know the the staging is just is is seamless from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next, and it it just it just never stops. But I feel like it all starts with Tim's. Tim's lyrics. Yeah, Tim writes scenes to me. He doesn't go, here's an A, B, A, B verse chorus. He goes, what's the scene? What do I want the person to say? And then he's this genius pianist who then turns it into a song. But (laughs) it starts with the acting and the story he wants to tell and then creating the song. I mean, I don't know that. I haven't been in his (laughs) writing room, but uh, that's what it feels like to sing. And I think that also, I mean, you can tell that he has like genuine feel for comic timing, that he's not someone who's just like oh, yeah. trying to be funny in a minute. And um, and I mean, the songs all have a very pop feel to me in different ways, like different genres, but they're very hummable. And I was just looking at some of the song titles today and they immediately came back to my mind, which is, you know, impressive, I think, for a new musical. Yeah. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Um, so we talked a little bit about the sort of existential layer of things that Tim brings into things and that I was struck by how like there is this kind of sadder, you know, darker undercurrent to the story too. Um, and you all, I think, get to dig into that in different ways and like very separate like solo moments. I think everybody here gets their own solo digging into that. And John, you're, you have a song in the second act in particular that I think is really great. And I was interested to hear a little bit about that and like what it means to you. Yeah, it's a, uh, it, it's a song that's a little different from all the other songs that are in the, uh, in the show in that it's essentially like a soliloquy. It's, um, it's poetry and it's written like that. Um, all of the other songs, I think, in, is is that right? No, I agree with you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> She's hungry. <laughs> um, I was worried. I was gonna go too. <laughs> I'm like, don't interrupt. Did Matthew tell you soliloquy out of curiosity? Um, Matthew did say the word soliloquy. He said the exact same to yeah. me. It's so funny. Well, because ours are, you know, the whole thing yeah. kind of stops, and then you know, because who's the audience? Who are we talking to? And um, one and, day feels a little like that too. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, Ned's song in particular. Particular, th- those songs, while they are soliloquies, are kind of written in the language that you might use to talk to another person mm-hmm. in the real world. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, "Night Will Come" is a is essentially a poem, and um, and so it was really interesting uh, in how to approach it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a poem about losing uh, someone dear to you, and. That has been um, that's been tough to try to get into every mm-hmm. night and explore that every night, um, and you know I'm not so young anymore <laughs> that I've had enough life experience where I've I've lost people and things, and um, to try to uh, you know kind of shake that loose every night and find something that comes to you uh, is an interesting challenge. And most of the time it happens just while I'm singing the song, something will occur to me. Um, but uh, it's also interesting the way that Matthew has staged it and that I'm kind of isolated from yeah, most of yeah. the song. Um, and so I just get to talk to whatever the wilderness myself um, you know, it's but, almost like you're out of your character a little bit. Like it, like it occurred to me as the like one song where someone kind of seems like someone commenting on everything that's going on, like yeah. omnisciently. Sort and of. he almost literally is commenting because the uh, you know Phil trying to save the old man is is happening right in front of him. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, and, and we're connecting all of those things. Everything that happens in this show is about Phil, <laughs> literally everything. Well, maybe almost everything. Um, <laughs> and, um, but it's, you know, it, it's about teaching Phil a lesson, you know, and he learns by, like I said, turning over stones and seeing other sides of people. Uh, well, I, I think also, though, even outside of the idea that the whole show is about is about Phil. I think it's it gives the audience a chance to have the same to to have the same experience that Phil has because of the way they've laid it out. You're going on this journey with him, so the more he cares about Rita, the more of Rita you see. The more he he cares about Ned, the more of Ned you see in Nancy, um, and the town in general. Um, and so, I think what's kind of amazing about a song like One Day that he never quite gets to experience her. Uh, Rita, I should say, saying this, or Nancy's song, which no one really sees except for her. The audience gets gets a window inside, so it really gives them a chance to to I think reflect on the way they view the world. And I think such a cool thing about this show is that you have to you're forced to identify with someone you might not initially want to identify with, Phil. Mm-hmm. And then by the end, you've taken this journey with him and it's kind of taken you by surprise that you've managed to like really empathize and understand a character who, like he said, is sort of lovable but hateful at the same time, you know? I do feel like he needs a hug by the end of the show. I know, I know. (laughs) There are some days when I'm like, oh, nobody wants me to slap him today. The, like, rocking the fur coat helps, Andy, I have yeah. to say. Like, you really make it work. There's plenty of comedy up in this. Let's not get so dark. Yes. <laughs> um, I think, you know, what, what's really funny is just the fact that, you know, he, of course, Phil has to relive the same day over and over again. The first day, he quite doesn't, he's curious about it. He's like, what's going on? I don't quite get it. Whatever. I'll just go back to sleep, see what happens. The, the, the third day, something is wrong. I need help. Okay. And then... And then to come to the realization that he can basically take charge of these days and sort of pick what he wants to do. And he knows everything that's going to happen. And so um, he can just use it to his advantage. Um, And once he lives many lifetimes doing that, uh, he realizes that isn't enough. Adding everything to your life is not enough. Taking from everybody is not enough. And what do I do with this? I don't know how to handle it. Um, And I I just, with those life lessons i think the journey of phil is really the journey of man we all come to these crossroads in our in our lives where we realize are we doing the same thing over and over and over again and to what avail are we really really doing anything that's helpful or helpful or for ourselves or for anyone and then to be cut to subtract from your life and realize that it you have to live in this moment with everybody. We have to look through other people's eyes. We have to see things for what they are in the moment. And, you know, that's the big, that's one of the big lessons of this show. And I just think, you know, it's so timely and it's so yeah, profound. It's and it's, it's uh, you know, I'd love some people to come see this show that maybe need that in their lives. Yes. I was going to say, imagine that. Um, <laughs> and and like you said, the, the, one of the most hilarious things is just the sheer amount of times that you take your clothes on and off throughout the show. Like you must be like have that like that one suit like completely down pat. 
It's like you're like a machine. Well, it was it was many rehearsals to try to get dressed and undressed, and it was it's all within (laughs) fractions of seconds. And if I miss a tie a little bit, I'm a little bit behind. I got I know I got to rush the shoes, and I got to you know get to the bag and all that kind of stuff. And and while you're singing lyric complicated lyrics, yes, um, to mention lyrics, so he he. No one lets up in this show, and I, I certainly don't. Um, it's a it's go from the very beginning. Um, but I feel like in my journey through the character, it's actually like I'm linear. I can I know what's happening, or I can see what's happening. I go to the next day uh, with an intention that I know what has happened in the past. Everyone else in the show has to do exactly the same thing or versions of the same exact thing they were doing mm-hmm. the next day. So I find I find that actually to be more complicated. I was thinking yesterday while we were doing the show. Was it yesterday? No, Sunday. That um, uh, uh, like when? <laughs> what day it, was it? Oh my yeah. God. Who knows? Doesn't matter. Um, uh, that like when do people's days change? It's whenever they come into contact with you or come into contact with somebody who's come into contact with you. Or a string of those things. Well, like you, you were know? saying, the Rube Goldberg machine thing. It's like, yeah. it, and yeah. it feels that way in the show. One tiny thing. Like, yeah, and also, like, if one in our show, one small thing goes wrong, it's like a domino yeah. effect where we're all like, Yeah, ah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, like, Ned, Ned meets Phil, like, every day, mm-hmm. um, and yet it's different every single time and because Phil is different. And so there's, like, this butterfly effect of everybody's days being different because Phil is, and eventually, I don't know, he learns how to you know, manipulate the butterfly effect. (laughs) Well, we get, I think, while Andy or Phil gets an A to Z journey, we sort of go for the audience, in the audience's experience, and for us, I think, we sort of go A, B, A, B, C, A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D, E, you know, so (laughs) we kind of reveal more of our journey is just revealing more of who we are in this one day to the audience at any given time. And I think musically, Tim is highly aware of that. So things change. The song sounds the same, but then there's little chord changes that need to happen in order to progress to a different, what's happening in, different in that next day. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's the theme in the music, you can hear it, but then it goes into a minor and then it, it's, very, it's very smart. So even, I was gonna say that that reminds me that there are even, you know, refrains that come back throughout the show, but even if you hear them for the third or fourth time, you're still not quite sure if you're hearing the same song as before because <laughs> there are little tweaks or like the tempo is slowed down. And it's needless to say, I'm sure no, none of you are ever bored. <laughs> <laughs> no, the mu- the music is is hard and repetitive like that. But I think what's harder is all the movement and the staging work yeah. we're doing. Um, as someone who has messed up once <laughs> and done the wrong day on You're a day I shouldn't have and then you get stuck and everything is within a two second miss of here and there and so I think it's incredible to watch from the audience and sometimes terrifying to do as an actor on stage. But Tim's lyrics are always like that they're they, you know they're uh, uh, anything but repetitive but there is some there's there's something about his lyrics that make them almost really difficult to remember or yeah. to, like I have to go through <laughs> I have to go through the lyrics of my song pretty much every day before I sing oh, it I do. Um, uh, uh, and you know it was true in it was actually true in Matilda too I had to do that in Matilda too so it's something imagine. about it's something about Tim's uh, uh, music and his lyrics that are just kind of so nuanced yeah. that and and so clever that you think you're gonna hear the same thing again and then he just switches it up I was gonna, gonna say you have all these sort of half little songlets yes <laughs> Yeah, I do. And they were there was a t- 
time when the second diary, uh, you're talking about the, the diaries, diaries. Yeah, yeah, the diaries, uh, the second diary used to be longer and it was even more sort of repetitive. You would hear certain parts again and then it would change. And so it was, it's kind of funny. They've, the format of all three of the diaries has changed slightly. But um, it's, uh, yeah, I remember with one day during one of the previews, it's like if you go down the wrong hallway, you are you screwed. can't get back. Like you can't get back <laughs> to the beginning. Like I started, I think the first verse when I'm supposed to be in the third verse, and I was like, "We're gonna just have to sing this song again." <laughs> like I guess I'm just going back into the first verse. So true to the theme, you know, the idea of the show. I think all these songs are sort of repetitive, and then if you end up looped back at the beginning, it's really easy <laughs> to just keep going in a circle. But hopefully that. <laughs> Again. Um, and you have some, I feel like you have some great sort of like diva-esque moments as well. Ooh. I was getting, I was sort of getting like Angelica Schuyler vibes from you. Oh, thank you. A little you. bit. I was, I was watching, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to take her away from Groundhog Day, but like, <laughs> she needs another job someday. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I mean, Rita is, um, she, she gets her moments, I think. And she's, uh, like we were talking about earlier with the female characters in the show, they're well-rounded, they're self-aware, which not a lot of, um, uh, I, I think not a ton of female characters are in musical theater. I think this is really a gift. Um, and we get to, um, she, because she's one of the other lead roles in the show, I think she gets the chance to sort of look at Phil and be at least one of the people on stage who gets to call him out when he's being a jerk. Um, and so in some ways I think it's a relief when he's acting out that someone is aware of what's not what is happening to him actually, but is able to say, excuse me, hello, you're <laughs> that's not human. <laughs> no, it's nice that it's actually her decision whether she's interested in him or not. It's, yeah. like, like she, it's not like she just falls for him eventually. And that uh, someone <laughs> commented on this not too long ago, but that um, this is a story where he he betters himself, but he also changes for her and not the other way around. I think so frequently it's yes. the female character has to sort of alter who she is for her male counterpart. And in this story, he, you know, in the end, she gets her man. So really, this show. Oh, refreshing. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> You're such a multifaceted and slightly damaged man. <laughs> um, so have you guys had any interaction with the cast of the film? Have they come to see the show yet? or? Yeah, we had a Only Miss Andy McDowell. She came. Rita. She came. Oh, it so was far. awesome. Yeah. She was lovely. Yeah. yeah, she was very nice. We don't nice. know anybody, anybody else, but we're waiting. Yeah, come on, folks. We're... Uh, yeah, everyone. We welcome. We'd love to meet you. <laughs> I have a secret dream that Bill Murray, like, finds his way on stage during our show. <laughs> <laughs> How old, old Jensen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Revival Jensen. Like, How on, would he get on stage? He would dress as, like, uh, one of the our crew guys. And like, like wear like winter clothes and just like walk on. No, I think I would. He would just find it. He would just independently. <laughs> I feel like he no. would. He would play the homeless guy. Yeah, he'd tap. He'd like tap right Bill Perry the on the shoulder and be like, "Hey, uh, do you mind?" And Bill would be like, "Oh, sure, go for it." <laughs> <laughs> and right when yeah. you need to have an emotional moment with him, you'd look down and see Bill Murray. <laughs> I I would not put that That'd past him at all. Well, thank you all for coming. The, the show is great, and good luck with everything in the Tony season, and congrats. Thank you, thank you yeah. very much. On and on and on you stumble on Towards the cooling sun Turn a blind eye, fight or run Rest assured, the night will come
So if you're in New York and you'd like to see Groundhog Day, it's playing at the August Wilson Theater. And since we're in the thick of Tony season, I should say that Groundhog Day has several Tony nominations, including Best Original Score for Tim Minchin, uh, Best Book for Danny Rubin, and Best Performance by a Actor in a Leading Role for Andy Carl. Uh, the cast came into our office recently and sang many, many songs from the show. If you'd like to see that, go to billboard.com slash Broadway. As usual, if you like the Billboard on Broadway podcast, please go to iTunes and give us lots of stars and nice reviews. If you'd like to tweet about the podcast, use hashtag Billboard on Broadway. You can tweet at me, at Rebecca Millsoff, and I hope you'll hit us back next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.